Lauren, we just finished a we just finished a show I thought was going to be more difficult than it was. We actually were able to keep it moving. I think we kept it relatively upbeat. This show is about death and dying. And our special guest is Alicia Garcia, who is a social worker, a hospice social worker here in Napa. And I can't thank you enough for for coming and making this very accessible. My pleasure. It was great being here. Thank you. I think folks are going to, well, I think they'll enjoy the show. It's hard to say enjoy when you're talking about death and dying, but... They might appreciate it. Appreciate's a very good word. And you did make it very understandable, accessible, and gave us some tools with how to cope with it and how to talk about it and... um, I think it's very valuable. I'm, I'm leaving here definitely with more than I came in with, so thank you. Well, great. Thank you so much, and I think it's an important conversation to have, so thank you for sharing. No, our pleasure. In the meantime, Lauren, let's get the plugs out of the way, and then we'll get to this. Uh, we'll get to the show. We invite you to join Judd at his family's winery at the south end of Silverado Trail, Judd's Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail here in Napa Valley, California, USA. Visiting information is at judshill.com or by calling 707-255-2332. Thanks, Lauren. And uh, while you're online looking at that visiting information, you can check out some of our fun and quirky videos. You can look at, um, well, the events that we've got coming up, always something good happening. And you can put a little wine in your shopping cart and we'll send it right down to you. And Lauren, let's give them a little deal for being a listener. Just type in coupon code JNVS, all in lowercase letters, please, and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. And if that's not enough, you can join the Judd's Hill Wine Club anytime, day or night. That's right. Join the wine club. It's free to join. You'll get invitations to parties, events. You'll get all the wine. You'll get it at a good price. It's 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 just good stuff. That's that's what I'm going to say about that. Lauren? Would you like to, uh, to like to wrap this up and maybe give a nice intro to this uh, show? A little bit different than we've done in the past, but I'm glad we did. Thanks, Judd. And now, enjoy the show. Judd's Napa Valley Show. Every episode, a veritable cornucopia of Finkel fun. Get ready for another heap of fascinating things to know. From witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No sales script and no rehearsing. Live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Pardon me. I'll have a Chardonnay, a marvelous date, it's hard to say. I know we never talk about the Sauvignon Blanc. It's a must-have on the podcast. It's Judd's Napa Valley Show. You can't ease this flow if I elaborate over a Cabernet. My buddy's the truth. You should study my man Juddy and learn something new. Colorful candles burning bright, each lit on eight very special nights. Happy Hanukkah. And now, live from Broadcast Park in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, John Fingelstein. Uh, Good morning, Mr. Lauren Mole. Thank you very much for that lovely Hanukkah tribute welcome. It is now, uh, let's see, we've had two nights. Uh, We're in the second day of Hanukkah, so... Uh, happy Hanukkah to you. Happy Hanukkah to uh, anybody who cares to receive the message. And uh, a happy holiday, whatever the holiday you may be celebrating this holiday season or at any season. 
May your celebrations be joyous, peaceful, and fulfilling. I didn't even read that off a card. That just came straight from the heart. Um, how are you? What's happening? I'm doing fine. Great. Next. <laughs> now, what's going on? What's going on? Anything uh, exciting happening? Getting ready for uh, some big holidays, Christmas plans? Uh, what's, uh, what's happening? Yeah, we, uh, Napa Valley Voice says, is invited to a, a Christmas party at uh, Hillside. And what, 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 what's going to happen? Are you going to be, are you gonna oh, be a featured soloist? We're are actually you... going to be singing uh, various uh, Christmas songs, plus special appearances from Santa Claus and Woody to promote Toy Story 4. <laughs> That's right. There's happening a Toy Story 4. this for... Saturday. Fun. Now, is this another one of these events that you tease us with and then say, but sorry, uh, it's... Sorry, it's private. It's a private event, yeah. And also, uh, the organization Operation with Love from Home is doing an event at uh, the Napa Valley College Gym this Saturday as well. Now, that sounds like something folks could go to, right? Yes. It it is open to the public. And how are you involved in that? Uh, Because... uh, I'm an active military supporter myself. My dad yes. was in the Coast Guard for four years. That's right. That's but th- right. This is long before I was born. This was <laughs> this was in the seventies. Oh my gosh! Long before Lauren Mole came along. And as a special uh, yes. a present, a Christmas present, I got a a Coast Guard toy helicopter in 1995, and I've had it ever since. <laughs> and you still? Uh, I dispo- still have it. You still? Do you take it out and play with it? Do you go vroom vroom and uh, circle a, around the room? I have a. Played with it for a while. Yeah, okay. But it's there and it's a memento. It is. And your father, I remember he showed up at an event. We did, uh, it was the opening for our Wine Booty web series. It was the premiere party and it had a very nautical theme and he came in his uniform and he looked great. Still fits him. Yeah, no, it was it was sharp. It was far sharp. All right. Well, that's exciting. Glad you're staying busy through the holidays. And cool. Thank you for sharing at least uh, something that folks can actually come participate in. Sure, you're welcome. Oh, and by the <laughs> I way, I tease you. I tease you. I'm glad that you do all these wonderful yeah, actually, things, by the way, whether they're private thing. or not. And okay, go ahead. Yeah. Actually, tomorrow night at eight o'clock on Comcast Channel 28 yeah. will be the last time that you will see me on Napa Valley TV with special. Guest host Lee W. Miller filling in for Doris Gentry. Oh, okay. Uh, Dor- Doris is going to come back next Wednesday with an all new show. Okay, and you'll be there too. Actually, I won't. Oh, okay. <laughs> Someone may have to fill in for me uh, that night. We don't know yet. You're going to have to tune in to find out. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay, a cliffhanger. And actually, yes, it Wonderful. is. Wonderful. Tune in so, to find uh, out. Yeah, so what's been going on with you, Jack? Oh, things are good. Things are good. Just uh, busy, you know, post-harvest, into the holidays here. Uh, we've got our Hanukkah Nanny coming up on Sunday, which benefits uh, community CHI Napa, Community Health Initiative, um, which ensures that all of our local residents have access to health care and health insurance. I would encourage anybody listening to just see what they're up to. It's I, I don't have it written. I believe it's Napa chi.org or maybe it's chinapa.org look it up community health initiative napa it's a great organization but the hanukkah hootenanny is sold out lauren tickets are not available anymore it sells out every year and we have reached that point if you're a judd's hill wine club member we can probably still squeeze you in but other than that it is sold out if you'd like to be a wine club member information is at judshill.com it's free to join and uh you get invitations to these types of things you get to all have all the wine and we'll show you a good time our france cruise coming up i've been talking about for oh, months oh that's months. right yeah that's sold, th- that's sold out too oh yeah. yeah can't come on that either i see but 2020 cruise is in the works so Ooh. save the date july 9th through 16th 2020 we're going to be hitting the mediterranean sea barcelona to rome with lots of uh delicious and historic stops in between so uh, anything? No, that's it. Uh, booking information not quite available yet, but just save those dates, July of 2020. 
we'll tell you more about it. Let's get to our guest. Um, this is this is going to be this is going to be cool. I'm I'm well. I'll, I'll get into it now. I'm already kind of speechless and at a loss, but she's going to help me through it. Would you mind please uh, introducing our guest? Well, actually, Judd, uh, if it's all right, I don't have a rhyming intro this week. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I yeah. think uh, in light of the subject matter too, maybe that's uh yeah, just to kind of change it up a bit. Okay. Okay. So we'd like to welcome back here to the historic studios here at Broadcast Park, Alicia Garcia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back. Well, it's great. We, two weeks in a row. You yeah. were here, uh-huh. Alicia. Last week we were talking about the Children's Museum of Napa Valley. You know, I asked you back because I've been thinking about, well, what it is you do. I recently found out what it is you do for your day job, My quote day unquote. Job, yeah. <laughs> and you are a social worker, hospice social worker. Yes. And I recall hearing about this from my wife, who had met you, I believe, at book club and was talking to you about this. And she relayed what it is you do. And mm-hmm. you, you, you'll describe it in a moment, but it, it revolves around death and dying. Death and dying. It's primarily and, it's all about death and dying. Yeah. And which is a subject that I find myself uncomfortable talking about sometimes. And I think a lot of folks are. Yeah. And I, I remember saying to my wife when I found that out, I... I had met you once before. I didn't know you very well, mm-hmm. but we had a. It was fun. We met at Chuck E. Cheese. We did meet we at Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck e. Cheese. Okay, <laughs> we we had a good time. It's like, oh, she's she's cool. She's great. I hope I run into her another yeah. time. She's fun. And then my wife tells me that it's like, oh boy. Uh, okay, next time I run into her, remind me not to ask her <laughs> about what she does. That sounds pretty heavy. But then as I thought about it more, I was like, that's not a good reaction at all. I mean, I I we should be talking about these things. And you have, you know, since I got to sit down and talk with you last week, I could tell you have this very positive uh, energy about you and outlook, uh, easy to talk. Like, well, we should be talking about these things and you're a, would be a good person to talk to about them. So I asked you to come back and let's, well, let's you. talk yeah. about it. And maybe you can tell a little bit about what it is you do. Can you describe yes, I can. what it is? Yeah. And first I just wanted to acknowledge that your reaction of not wanting to bring it up or talk about death and dying is very normal. I would say most people you know, that that's not their lead in, but (laughs) I am a hospice social worker. I've been a hospice social worker for about 18 years. And for the folks who don't know, hospice is a program that is um, funded primarily through Medicare. And it's for people who have a terminal diagnosis of six months or less to live. And so that could be zero to the end. You know, um, you don't have an age range for like an age um, criteria to be in hospice. So it's pediatrics, it's um, young adults, it's the geriatric population, and that is for a terminal diagnosis. When someone is in hospice, what you get is a team. You get a doctor, a nurse, a social worker who is myself, and a home health aide. So you get a team approach. And so that's what I do is I'm your social worker for the folks who are in the service and we just dive right into what's happening as you're dying. It's <laughs> see, I'm already <laughs> kind of at a loss for it. it. Well, thank goodness we've. I'll talk a little personally here. My father, who's no longer with us, uh, passed away several years ago. He had been ill for some time, and he did go into hospice care, mm. but we didn't get really the full experience mm-hmm. he was only had hospice care for three hours oh wow that was that, that was it mm-hmm. he had been in the hospital and he came home someone showed up it was a, a nurse mm-hmm. and before anything else could happen or really contact anyone else or anyone else to show up it was it was yeah it was he done. was done yeah yeah 
Um, so I can't really speak to the full experience myself, but but just having that one person there, mm-hmm. at least for the family, it was comforting. There was someone there who could talk to us about what was going on right? and right. offer a little bit of um, at least emotional support to us, which I would imagine is a big part of what you do. Yes. Yeah. I mean, part of what I do is to help guide people to know what to plan for next. Mm. What does this mean? What does this look like? You know, and, and part of your dad's story is that... You know, I don't know his diagnosis or what he died from, but the fact that someone didn't bring up that maybe he is dying beforehand or having that hard conversation earlier on to get to really get to that comfort level of, okay, we're all hoping for the best, but we can hope for different things. And I would say because of the discomfort of just talking about death and dying, people don't do it early on enough that then when you can have a benefit like hospice, you get it very late and almost too late. And it happens a lot. I don't even remember the circumstance. I mean, we did know it was coming, but Mm -hmm. he was, uh, well, we won't get into that personal thing, Mm -hmm. but, um, I, I'm, I'm astounded that folks, uh, can deal with death and dying on a daily basis. And I don't believe you can really get numb to it, but How do you cope or compartmentalize that part of life's experience and put it over here so that you can still function elsewhere without being bogged down in the heaviness of death and dying? I would say it's taken a lot of practice. I mean, you know, I've been doing it for a long time. And in the beginning, I was not good at that. No. I would spontaneously cry at different places. But over time, what you learn is you learn from other people who know how to do it really well. And not even, I would say, from other healthcare practitioners, but from other family members, from people who are there sitting with their loved one who's dying, who knows how to do that very well. And there is a skill to being with somebody and being present with somebody while there is a lot of pain, if there's a lot of, and I'm talking about emotional pain, and it just being a charged situation, there is something to that. And when I've noticed it with other family members and loved ones, I thought, okay, I need to learn that. That's what I'm missing. And so I just started taking notice of that and learning and asking them a lot of questions. And I feel like that's the part with having this conversation is nice, is that, you know, having a hospice benefit is great. And I think that's wonderful. But the community at large should teach each other how to be present for each other when someone is sick and dying. And there is a skill to it. How do we do it? I well, mean, not the <laughs> yeah, full, but yeah. you said there should be, the, the community should know, are there, are there some resources folks can look at? Or are there some things you can tell us right now, like how, how, how you deal with it that we could learn from? Yeah. Well, first thing I would say is to not be afraid to ask how somebody is doing or to at least like approach the situation. If you know somebody who is, who is not doing well, who is, you know, has a terminal diagnosis or who someone whose loved one just died, the, I say most people always say, I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to approach them. And then there's this weird amount of time where like, Ooh, well now it's too late. You know, like, well now it's been a couple of weeks and now I don't know what to do. I meant to send a card, send a card, or maybe I'll send food. But then people are so apprehensive about it that they don't just dive in. And so I say the first thing you do is get comfortable with being uncomfortable and have that awkward moment of, hey, hey, I was thinking of you. How are you doing? You know, and just like barrier, I think mm -hmm. for a lot of folks. And I feel that way myself sometimes. Um, 
and I try to force myself through it because I understand now having been on the other side, how important it is to have somebody reach out. But mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, it's, it's, it's tough to acknowledge right. that either somebody has experienced loss or is about to. I think maybe for me, I can speak for me personally. I haven't done a ton of introspection about why it is uncomfortable, but I don't know, maybe because my role uh, as a career is mm-hmm. in hospitality and I'm, I'm, I'm used to taking care of people, but making sure they're feeling good and comfortable. Right, right. Um, <laughs> this is I, the opposite. <laughs> but I have to think about taking care of people in other respects as well. And that means reaching out in a, a – acknowledging a very yeah. tough situation. Yeah. I, you know, and, and, and just because you're acknowledging it or you're, uh, you're opening it up of saying how are you doing or how are you going through this, it doesn't – that initial part is incredibly awkward. But the conversation afterwards doesn't have to be hmm. – sad or hard. You know, a lot of the things I like to do afterwards, if, you know, someone has passed, a loved one has passed, I always ask what their name, you know, what their name was. Yeah. Um, and then usually when someone says, oh, you know, my dad's name was George, then it kind of lightens it up a little bit. And then we start talking about how he was as a person, you know, a funny story about him. And that's part of the healing process of just people after someone has died generally like to talk about them in a memorable way and just talk about them, you know, not in their death, but just in their life. And so approaching somebody, asking them a simple question and then having a little story, it helps just kind of break that barrier. Yeah, I would imagine uh, keeping a, you know, positive memory, a positive, um, you know, positive thoughts about that person, which, I mean, I've been fortunate to have that, you know, some people of mm-hmm. uh, I've, you know, listen to a lot of interviews where the um, it could be celebrities, often comedians, yeah. have very tough upbringings, and the the comedy is what they resort to to right. be able to reach out and socialize. <laughs> and I've, probably more comedians than than others I've heard talk about their past, pa- their their parents <laughs> or whatever who have passed on, and mm-hmm. something like you know, and I don't even miss them, or you know, that, yeah, yeah. Well, there is a that, lot. <laughs> There's I a can't lot of relate humor. to that. Mm-hmm. But how do you how do you talk about positive? How do you help somebody in that situation who really doesn't? <gasps> but I think that's maybe. okay because everybody does it a little differently, and there is a lot of there's a lot of humor and a lot of funny things that happen when people are dying or people have died. And you know, I would say that is incredibly healthy to make fun of a situation, but then. People feel like, oh, well, now that's a really dark humor. I shouldn't say that. So then they kind of keep it to themselves or they don't want to share it. And then it becomes isolating. So just acknowledging the fact that everybody deals with it differently and that's okay. And you can laugh at it. And that's 100% the best remedy of feeling sad. You know, I did just hear an interview with Howie Mandel. And oh, he, uh-huh. the, you know, famous comedian. Yeah. And he, this, he, did, he had a good relationship with his <laughs> parents. But he was talking about how... One of the funniest days of his life, like the hardest he's ever laughed mm-hmm. at something, is also the worst day of his life, is the day his father died. Mm. And then after that, some people came back, mm-hmm. and they were, and then something kind of weird and gross happened. <laughs> yes, yes, but, yes. But he started laughing at it so hard and remembers it to that day, <laughs> that kind of yin-yang, you know, the uh-huh. emotions are so high that this 
the worst thing that had ever happened to yeah. happen. And then the funniest thing that had ever <laughs> happened happened to him. And I suppose that was uh, somewhat helpful. <laughs> well, and I think that's the, the part of what it's great about talking about it is that you can see and hear other people tell those types of stories. So when it happens to you and something is funny, you allow yourself to laugh at it. And then you tell that story to somebody else. And then they laugh and everyone has like an awkward kind of laugh, yeah. which is great because then it opens it up. It doesn't get so tight and constricted, you feel like, okay, I can do this too. We can easily share something funny and sad all at the same time. And to be said, it's very, very helpful for the kids present to see that. That's one of the things I say to people all the time is that you want to laugh and cry in the same same moment. Tell your kids, I'm, you know, I'm crying because I'm sad, mm-hmm. but now, and I'm sad because so-and-so is dying. Um, but then when you laugh, you say, that's okay. Things are funny. That's life. And you can show your kids that you can go back and forth and those feelings are okay. And just to show that in front of your kids is incredibly healing. I'm glad you brought that up. That was definitely on my mind to ask you, how do you talk to kids about this? How, how does death and dying come up? I mean, it's certainly present. I know mm-hmm. my kids have heard about people. Mm-hmm. Dying yeah. uh, you know, in the family, they haven't been. Um, they're getting a little older now, so I think they'll be able to process it a little more. Process it a little uh, more and understand a little clearer about what's what's happening. But it's it's very tough. The first time uh, we had a, we don't have dogs or cats. Mm-hmm. But we have a fish tank. Yeah. <laughs> and the first time one of the fish died, died yeah. they found it, you know, floating. <laughs> it was absolute waterworks. I mean, yeah, instant like light switch. They saw that and sobbing tears and it's and that was so hard (laughs) i mean i i don't i I was at a loss there too Uh i I don't it's so hard to talk to kids so (laughs) it's hard to talk to anybody as you can see i'm already fumbling with this whole thing but we we just had to say yeah that is a natural part of what Uh happens everything has a lifespan yeah and fish often have a very short one yeah, they do which is a good reason to have fish with kids yeah okay, because let's yeah because it's great to have animals and because it teaches them how to cope with when something dies to see what happens to their actual little fish bodies when something dies and then talk about it and like you did it's great to always say the words death dying you don't want to say you know, passing on or depending on your religious beliefs, going to heaven. Kids don't really tolerate that or understand it depending on their age range. It's a little too abstract. That's, yeah. yeah. And that makes it like they're going someplace. Where yeah. am I going? Yeah. And then it just becomes, you want to use the actual words, death, dying. And, you know, and then I think the hardest part for us when we're with kids is being able to tolerate their feelings when oh, they're crying sure. and just letting them kind of just cry and just sitting with that, that I know for me, I have a really hard time with too. That's right. So, and cause there's really nothing you can do to make it better when someone's sad and grieving, except just sitting there and being present and witnessing it with them. Knowing they're supportive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But kids are great because what happens is you can do that. They can be incredibly sad, you know, deep down to their soul. And then they can go out and play and they toggle back and forth. And that's what you want to keep on encouraging kids to do is to know that going back and forth is natural and healthy and name the feelings and go on with your day. And that's a good practice for adulthood. 
Good to know. I see it happening a bit. In fact, uh, just just yesterday, in fact, there was mm-hmm. another fish oh, no. <laughs> floating, and the kids discovered it, and mm-hmm. uh, they didn't freak out, though. They said, we gave it a good home. Yeah. It had a nice life while it was here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. they, they really were able to um, accept it mm-hmm. and not feel distraught over it. They were sad it was gone. Yeah. Reflected on the nice life it had had in their tank. They were able to take (laughs) care of it. I felt that was a pretty healthy attitude that Uh we could all adopt about any of us. Well, that's perfect. And the great thing too with kids also is they love rituals, you know, or any type of actual physical thing they can do. So when, you know, maybe not a fish because there's a lot of fish that die, but like if your dog dies or a cat dies or something, to have something afterwards, a little ritual with it, you know, if you're going to light a candle, um, say something, have like a little, that's why people have had funerals. That's why there is a tradition of having funerals memorial because a ritual helps you move it through. Mm-hmm. And kids can do that in a variety of ways, or you can even ask them, how do you want to, how do you, how should we memorialize, you know, our dog or whatever. And being a part of the process for kids helps them work through it and feel like, okay, they have some, they have some choices in this. They have some power in this. And that mm, helps mm, a lot. Interesting. Okay. That's a good tip right there. Yeah. We're going to stop, take a little break. Okay. When we come back, more death and dying more here on Judd's death. Napa Valley show. <laughs> Our guest is Alicia Garcia, a hospice social worker. We're getting through this difficult topic yeah. and I'm, I'm very thankful that you're here. Thank you. You're listening to Judd's Napa Valley Show. We'll be right back after these messages. Everyone's a Fingal friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa Valley Show. You're listening to 1440 KVON, the voice of Napa Valley. Now, back to Judd's Napa Valley Show. Thank you, Lauren Mole. And uh, we are speaking with Alicia Garcia. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. You are, as if you don't know who you are and what you do, <laughs> but uh, a hospice social worker. Yes, and am. today's subject is death and dying, mm-hmm. and um, which I think, uh, well, it's an, it's a very uncomfortable subject for many, including myself, but important to talk about and get a better understanding of um, how to talk about it, how to deal yeah. with it, how to cope with it, how to socialize around it, because there's no denying it is a fact of all of our lives. So thanks for coming and speaking. No problem. And, it's my pleasure. And keeping it a little yeah. up as well, which I appreciate. <laughs> That's why I played that little rock and roll intro. Like, let's yeah. let's boost the mood a little. And, I, oh, I do have a little bounce in my voice um, always, so it might be a little off-putting to some people talking about death and dying with me like this. But I find it it's natural this way. It's what happens. And so it doesn't have to be very depressing. Okay, good. I, I like to hear that. <laughs> I'm finding it very helpful. Yeah, good. Uh, now, you are often present as someone dies at the moment of death, correct? Correct. I mean, the nurse is probably there more often. It depends, um, not to get too much in the weeds about it, it depends on the the. The group, the community that I'm serving at the time, when I actually worked in L.A., I mm-hmm. was there more often when people die because there was a lot of younger folks 
there. But I would say here it's primarily the nurse, but I am there as well. And so we do see, and we, there are things that happen in the dying process that we can prepare people for to know because there's death, but then there's also the dying. And I think that's the part that people don't understand the most is that dying is a process. It's kind of like laboring a kid in the beginning when you're pregnant and you have to labor in that birth. Dying is the same way. There are steps and stages and not all dying is the same, but there is a process to it. And do you want to speak a little bit about how you do help people and let them know what, yeah. what what's going on through the process? So first, I just want to put a caveat that every every person is different. Your death kind of reflects your personality. You know, if you're an obstinate, honorary kind of person, your death's going to be kind of hard sometimes. If you have a certain diagnosis and you have to go through that and you're stubborn, your actively dying phase might be a little harder. And actively dying means that your body starts shutting down, your circulatory system starts shutting down, you get modeling in your feet and your hands, your breathing gets a little erratic. And that can be hours, it could be up to two weeks. But sometimes when people are stubborn, it takes a little bit longer. So if you're a person that can easily kind of let go and just, that's just your personality is you're a whimsy kind of person. Maybe your dying process could be a day and you're just, you're okay with that. (laughs) I always ask now what their profession was. So like engineers in particular Mm. have, they're in their head. They're very smart. Sometimes that can be really hard for them and they get kind of agitated at the end. So just knowing that, that there is a lot of different facets to the dying process, although there is general stages, we all do it a little differently. Does that make sense? No, <laughs> Did it, it, I lose anybody? No, no. You kind of lost me in thought thinking about uh, the different personality types that I know and maybe what my own personality yeah. is like. No. Uh, again, not the, not the easiest things to think about. But, but that's um, what we laugh at. Is... Well, we talked about keeping a sense of humor yeah. earlier. And do you, do you want to talk a little more about that as well? Yeah, yeah. I think that having a sense of humor about it is amazing because it then – it keeps the conversation going. We can laugh at ourselves with it. And we can all just acknowledge the fact that we're all going to die. So it's okay to talk about it and laugh. And one of the ways I do it personally, because I think about death a lot, obviously, is I planned my own funeral already or my memorial. And then I, so when wait, I tell wait, people you, that. You have done this already. Yeah. I mean, I haven't like, I haven't paid for it, but I have like my party in my head, what they're going to serve, what they're going to do. And then I start planning other people's. So like I have my husband's memorial set up in my head, my in-laws like, like, so I like, I like very casual. So my memorial is going to have, you know, like an omelet station with some coffee, you know, just very like hodgepodge, everyone casually talking. There's going to be music. But I also want a little bit of flair of fun. So I want people in the memorial time when they're like crying, hopefully they're crying and there's some people there, they can do like a <laughs> shot of, of um, fireball, okay. you know, like, you know, so I have these kind of things Is that set up. Is that your drink? Are you, are you a fireball? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I was like, I'm not. But my husband <laughs> likes things very fancy. So... Uh-huh. His is going to have like a charcuterie platter and there's might be, you know, pedophores and there might be, you know, and so I think about, I, so I tell people this, 
and if I see something cool too, I'll be like, oh, I'm going to add that to my memorial. Like, I like that. I'm going to put that in my little binder, my memorial binder, so that I can make sure that whoever is planning it knows to have that in. And just talking about that naturally, people first are like, huh? What are you talking about? It and does then seem I tell very them. odd and a little morbid, but but at the same time, it's like you want that event to reflect yeah. you and your personality and who you were. So that actually makes a lot of sense. And maybe uh, yeah. maybe I'll start putting some thoughts down. <laughs> but I mean, everyone's going to – I mean, it depends on what you want to do after you die, but everyone's going to die. We're getting a phone call. Oh, my goodness. Let's oh, see. No. This this is somewhat unusual. Now let's I'm see. <laughs> Hold on. Let's see. You're not going to be able to hear this, I don't think, but let's see. Uh, hello. You're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. This is a fantastic um, 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 show about something that I've been through with my dad and friends, and I want to tell the young lady that it's, just, it's great. I learned things like the dying, the last thing to go is hearing. So when my dad had was in a coma for so long, the nurse said, he probably hears every, almost everything mm. you're saying. Is that, is that pretty accurate? Um. I'm going to translate a little. She can barely hear uh, without a without a headphone. But uh, he's, oh, okay. he's sorry, he, no, no, that's okay. He he was asking about hearing often being the last thing to go, yes. and that you should keep talking. Correct. And I've heard that too. And I've certainly, when I've been present in that situation, thanks. Th- thank you for uh, calling. I'm going to let her answer that uh, on air. Okay. Thanks. thanks for answering the phone, Judd. You what, know? Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye. All right. Take care. Bye. So you want to talk yeah, a little bit about that? Yeah, thank you for bringing that up because that is very important. You know, part of what happens with your with the dying process is that people start becoming very inward. And so um, having all the senses around can be hard to tolerate for them. Touch can be hard. Obviously, eating and drinking is not happening. So they're becoming more and more into themselves. But their hearing stays very acute. Even so, I've been with families that they're in the other room and they start fighting and mm. you could see the person it's their face starting to grimace and oh. tighten up and you could and you and say you know your dad can hear you he knows what's happening let's not fight <laughs> let's take that outside and so and the same thing with hearing somebody saying words loving words yeah or words of saying goodbye they can they can definitely hear you and to be quite honest, I don't know if it's an actual audio part or just the physical part of like having that energy. They can feel that as well. There is something about maintaining the energy in the room of having very calming, not a lot of high voices, just almost like a spa because they can feel all of that. And um, nice, loving words at the end is incredibly helpful. I'm glad that uh, that was brought up, and that yeah, was certainly something that we were conscious of the at the at least the two times I've been mm-hmm. around somebody who has uh, been in the process of dying, and um, yeah, words of comfort, mm-hmm. words of love, uh, just yeah, I, it, it it it, and in both cases we weren't getting a lot of feedback from the person, mm-hmm. but I don't know somehow you think it can't hurt anyway. Yeah, you want that person to be as comforted as possible. No, I, 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 from all the different deaths I've seen, I've, an overarching theme is that they can, they can either hear or comprehend in some way what people are saying. And the other phenomenon that seems to happen, and this is all, you know, anecdotal from me just witnessing, is that people usually wait 
for their loved ones or other people to either leave the room, fall asleep, go to the restroom. They most a lot of times they wait to not have a lot of people around. Oh, to actually to actually die. die. Uh-huh. Oh, to actually die. They let, you know, and so <laughs> sometimes there's a lot of guilt with families of they say, you know, I wasn't there when they died. Um, I'd fallen asleep or I went and got lunch. And then I'll just say that usually people wait for that moment. Um, not everybody, but it's, you know, I've had a lot of times where we're around the bedside and we're talking and then we all step out for a minute just to say something else. And then we come back and the person has um, died. And, you know, I can only equate it to, again, kind of birth and the fact that when you're giving birth, sometimes there is just a very private moment sometimes. And so just to know that that happens a lot and that everybody does their death their own way. And that's we just, you know, we bear witness to it and we're there and we're present and we're doing the best that we can. But it's their moment and their time. So just to know that's the other part that happens. Something to contemplate. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, the more I'm thinking about it, contemplating in my head about the planning, you know, our own memorial. You're back onto the memorial. It is well, kind of funny. I, I have heard about pe- – I am back on that because I love a good party. <laughs> yeah, Remember, you I'm in do, hospitality. You so. would do a great memorial. And I have heard about people doing that. And I haven't given it much thought myself, but but now I am. And now I think I will. Yeah. Um, because I I want people to have a good time. That's what I, that's what I do in life now is mm-hmm. I provide – happy experiences for people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a host. That's, exactly. I'm a hospitality guy uh, at the winery. So I want, I want to be responsible for a memorable, mm-hmm. fun time for people now. And I'd like to be able to offer that right. then as well. Because you do have to think for the people who are planning it for you, that would be hard shoes to fill. Like if you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, he's always thrown great parties. Now we also have to throw a great party, but we're not him. How yeah. can I do this? <laughs> so and, give him a little guidance would be nice. Yeah, and, and definitely have to keep the, the sense of humor. I, I know that is so important. I think really some of the best laughs I've heard have been at memorials and funerals. Yeah. And, and again, even speaking about my own personal experience with my father, I mean, he did know it was coming. And mm-hmm. and I remember uh, <laughs> asking, I don't remember if it was about the actual gravesite mm-hmm. or I think it was. I don't think it was about the memorial <laughs> itself. And my mom was asking him questions. He said, surprise me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good line. I mean, he got good a, good, a good laugh. And it was a big it was a big turnout. And there were some wonderful speakers, mm-hmm. um, really heartfelt um, stories. Um, and then I got up there, and I hadn't planned to really tell any stories. But I realized there have been a couple chuckles here and there, but like, I got I to gotta get a zinger in here. <laughs> and That's great. Uh, I just... Plan to get up and say thanks everybody for coming. There's going to be you know food outside. Yeah, make your way. But I recalled a story that <laughs> every story up to then had painted him in this very and he was a great guy. I'm not yeah, going to yeah, disparage yeah. him in any way. People <laughs> loved him. He never spoke ill of anybody. He uh-huh. was very community minded and charitable and mm-hmm. worked with kids. All this great stuff. Yeah. and that was that all came out and it's great and it was great. all true. But I thought you know what he's a human being too. Yeah, you know. <laughs> There is another there, side. Yeah, and I I can't really repeat the story here on the radio, but it had to do with how much he really disliked working tasting rooms. Oh my god! As a winemaker, is- <laughs> it's like being the guy who just you know painted something and uh-huh. then showing it to everybody. What do you think? What do you think? Right, and, right. You know, he that's a little tough. <laughs> so it culminated, of course, with somebody not enjoying the wine and he <laughs> using some. some- 
choice words? Just really one word. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Good for him. Followed by a U. That is a good story. You can't tell it on the radio, but I think you already got the picture. And basically, he got what he wanted. Uh, The person at the tasting room got what she wanted. Uh, He... He never had to work in the tasting room. That again. Is but a great but when story. I when I've got to that punchline, I mean, I've never mm-hmm. heard a room mm-hmm. erupt like that. I mean, I think some people fell off the chairs. Yeah. And and to this day now, eight and a half years later, there are people mm-hmm. who will still come up to say, like, you know, remember my father, but and and, and that yeah. story you told. Yes. Like they remember that, that they were able to have that uh, cathartic moment mm-hmm. of just being able to laugh and um and enjoy it actually, and enjoy his his memory for for what it for what it's worth in that not not as angelic moment, right? <laughs> yeah, right. That sense of release mm-hmm. when you're just so you just feel so intensely sad before, and you have a moment of release, and you can just laugh. It feels so good. Yeah. I mean, and then it reminds you of what a human being is what it feels to be human is incredible sadness and then also moments of joy and just to have that mo- moment is so cathartic as you said that it's great and yeah i'm sure if i die first i'm sure my husband's going to say something along like like it, they'll people will say hopefully nice things but he'll put in one of those types of stories <laughs> to, <laughs> to keep it real <laughs> There ought to be, and plenty of uh, handle <laughs> bottles of Fireball to yes, help uh, yes. help absorb the. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what I should ask you next. I could go on for hours. It's such a it's such a complex emotional right. issue, and kind of on purpose. I've been avoiding some of the more spiritual and religious aspects, which I'm sure you must have to deal with, depending on the individual's beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, but that could take us down that so many it. other yeah. roads, which we just don't have time for at the moment. But are, are there any thoughts in these last few minutes that you would like to get across on this subject? I would like to say that, you know, as I referenced in the beginning of that learning from other people of how to do this well, a couple of, I always like specific tools. I like when people give me specific tools of how to do something. And so I like to leave other folks with specific tools. Great. One of like yeah. what you did is storytelling at the bedside when someone is sick or if you're just with somebody telling stories is incredibly helpful. It helps relieve the tension in the room. It helps kind of keep time passing. It helps also for the, uh, the kids that are involved, they can hear those stories and then it becomes kind of a moving memorial for them. Another very specific thing I like to suggest to people is to bring out photo books at mm-hmm. this time. I mean, oh my gosh, I'm aging myself on on this, but people who do have photo albums, you know, <laughs> just to bring it out. I'm like, that not always, their phone. But that always wrecks me, though, man, just seeing, <laughs> <laughs> seeing the photos of this person at different stages in life and then Yeah, but it prompts stories. It does prompt it stories. Prompts- but I don't think it's a bad thing, but I'm just telling you, that always hits That's me good. That's a good- <laughs> right in the heart and soul, and I'm I'm yeah. a wreck, but... But it is a it is a great tool to be able to remember the. Well, if you don't like the person. photos, then. no, no, no. no I, I do okay. like the photos. There is another one we can do. I'm not do. saying being you know a sobbing, <laughs> tearful uh, wreck of a person at the moment is a bad thing. No, it's not. But uh, but it gets me. I, and the other part is puzzles. Puzzles to have puzzles there. How you know, so? there's a lot of idle time when you're with somebody. People want to come in. Um, and they want to be, and then they have this like, oh, I should say something. And then there's all this talk and chatter, which 
amps up the anxiety in the room and that's not mm. a good thing. So you need to give people something to do. And so having puzzles there with like, chairs. Like a jigsaw puzzle? Like a jigsaw puzzle, oh, okay. yeah. And so that people can – so they're sitting there and they're with people. They're in the room. But they're not, you know, like on their phone or idly chatting or picking up because that, again, creates anxiety in the room. So you have puzzles and people start doing the puzzles. Mm. And that keeps time moving. It keeps it calm and peaceful, but um, it gives somebody something to do. And that's it's very helpful. That's Um, that's I learned that from that's good (laughs) advice. And then briefly, are there some services that the community can go to to find support? I mean, such as where, um, where, where would you, you turn can, if somebody who's in the situation where they have a loved one who is uh, dying, where, where do they turn? I mean, I assume either a doctor or hospital can hook them up with an organization. Yeah. But, there's, there's a lot of um, hospice organizations. You can go to NHCPO, which is just Google the hospice association and they have a list of all the hospices in your area and you can call them and each hospice has a bereavement section and so they can talk to uh, you about bereavement if someone has already passed they can talk to you about if someone has not and they're in a possible terminal diagnosis situation they can talk to you about the process of signing on to hospice Mm. if you are just in the throes of grief and it's been you know after six months i would look under just a therapist but who really knows loss and grief and go to them Sometimes grief groups can help too. And you can also, if you just, the best way is to do a Google search really, because it comes up with, you know, churches have them, hospitals have them, and grief groups can also be very beneficial. Well, thank you. Yeah. Ah, Okay. Deep breath. (laughs) Yeah. Going to let it out. And now we are going to turn to donuts. Thank you. (laughs) Favorite part. Because, you know, normally if I'm talking about something like this, I'm on a nice stiff drink in front of me. But it's a little early for that. Lauren Mole has a knife. He's going to open that up because they use some strong tape. I'm not even asking if you go nuts for donuts. You were here last week. The answer was yes. 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 I remember. Can I say donuts are a part of my memorial service. With the eggs and the coffee, I love donuts. So that will be also served. So if you do get to happen to come to my memorial (laughs) service, (laughs) you will get a good donut. Great. Good to know. I, I... I was trying to think of a good response that I'm just going to say. There is no response to that. I'm just going to say thank you. You're welcome. You know, last week you went straight for the pumpkin Mm. donuts. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to get you a box of pumpkin donuts today to take home. They're done. Seasonal. You got the last week of pumpkin donuts. So there is a Hanukkah donut, but there's also a nice selection of other. What are you you going for? I do actually like the Hanukkah donut because it Uh. has the. The, you know, it's the traditional white cake with the white frosting, but it has those blue sprinkles. Yeah. It's That's super fun. Very festive. And I like it. Okay. I like it. Well, you <laughs> enjoy that donut. Compliments of Judd's Napa Valley thank Show. Thank you. I want to thank you for coming. Thank Two you weeks for in a row. Me. You're I like appreciate the, it. the superstar. What can we talk about next week? What do you come I think I'm all tapped out. Okay, I mean, all that's right. really all. <laughs> do you sing? No, God. We no. haven't talked about any musical ability because I next week n- is a musical show. Oh, I'd love to listen. I'll listen. Tune in, nine a.m. Yeah, or show up. You're welcome here. Uh, <laughs> Tap on your window. <laughs> well, you mentioned that one of your well bucket list items uh-huh. was to be on a podcast. So now two two weeks two, in a row. I I am overflowing now. All right, and this should post uh, soon. Actually, last week's episode is now posted. Oh yeah. If folks go to the iTunes store, mm-hmm. it just posted Very this exciting. morning. And look for the uh, Children's Museum of Napa Valley episode. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and folks, you know, you can still check that out. The website is children. I don't have it in front of me because I was last week with CM. O-N-V, Children's Museum of Napa Valley dot yep. org. Please check it out. You can see a nice uh, photograph of our guest Alicia as a child. As a child, yeah. Uh, along with all mm. the other board members as kids <laughs> and why they think it's important to have a place for kids here in Napa mm-hmm. Valley. And I think you will um, enjoy what they are doing. It's, yes. It's, it's very admirable. And I thank you for talking about that. I thank you for talking about this today and making me feel a little more comfortable. You can probably tell... I was a little hard for me to get it. through. You did a great job. First time in a long time I've been nervous about a show, but thank you. No, it's my pleasure. And thank you for having me and thank you for the opportunity to discuss this with the community because I think it's a great conversation to have and it's incredibly awkward and uncomfortable and you may have to have some deodorant in your purse afterwards, <laughs> you know? That's what I do to help after this <laughs> I'm a little nervous too. Oh, okay. I thought it was you're doing a personal thing towards no, me. No, no, like, no, I actually <laughs> I, I took I, I took my monthly shower this morning, so we should be fresh and good to go. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Alicia. Thank you for having really me. Really do appreciate it. Okay. This is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gillamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.